This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. We read about it in the paper. We hear about it on the radio. We see it on television. We vote in polls about it on the internet. It's promoted by politicians. It's promoted by television. It's promoted promoted by movie stars. It's promoted by news anchor men and women. The courts of the land have said it is nothing wrong with it. What is it? It's homosexuality. You see, we're bombarded with propaganda to support homosexuality and same-sex marriages. There are homosexual churches, homosexual bishops. There have been scientific studies that scientists say prove there is a homosexual gene and that therefore homosexuality is as normal as heterosexuality. In other words, God made everyone the way they are and they don't have a choice. But then the question arises, does God cause some people to be born homosexual? Well, we're going to look at the study that was made, and then we're going to see what God has to say in his word. So let's look at this study that was made. And before we get into the scientific study that was made, we first need to understand why this study is so important to so many people. You've probably heard that the I heard of the idea that scientific research has found a, a gay gene. If we were to assume that homosexuality was genetic, in other words, caused by a homosexual gene, then it must be concluded that those individuals are not morally responsible for being homosexual. The argument goes like this, quote, Just as a person cannot help being black, female, or Asian, I cannot help being homosexual. We were all born this way and cannot help ourselves, unquote. Vermont governor at the time, Howard Dean, signed a bill legalizing civil unions for homosexuals in Vermont and defended his actions by making this statement, and I quote, the overwhelming evidence is that there is a very significant, substantial genetic component to it. From a re- religious point of view, if God had thought homosexuality is a sin, he would not have created gay people. Unquote. So now let's look at the study for the homosexual gene, and there are four studies that I want to look at. First one is the Kinsey Institute report that was done more than 50 years ago. It is often cited as evidence that 10% of the population is homosexual. Eric Marcus made the following statement about Kinsey Institute report in his book, Is It a Choice? Answers to 300 of the Most Frequent Asked Questions About Gay and Lesbians. And this is a quote from that work. Only about 4% of the men evaluated were exclusively homosexual throughout their entire lives. Only 2 or 3% of these women exclusively homosexual in their entire lives, unquote. In a brief that was filed with the United States Supreme Court on March 26, 2003, in the Lawrence versus Texas case, and commonly known as the Texas sodomy case, on page 16 in footnote 42, it is revealed that 31 homosexual and pro-homosexual groups admitted the following. The most widely accepted study of sexual practices in the United States is the National Health and Social Life Survey, the NHSLS. The NHSLS found that 2.8% of the male and 1.4% of the female population 
identify themselves as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, unquote. The 2000 U.S. Census revealed the following. The population of the United States was 285,230,516. The total number of households in the U.S. was 106,741,426. The total number of unmarried same-sex households was 601,209. That represents 0.42%. That's less than one half of 1%. So the information we've seen proves the Kinsey Institute report to be wrong. Now I want to look at a study that was done by Simon LaVey. Back in 1991, LaVey reported finding subtle differences between the brains of homosexual and heterosexual men. He measured a particular region of the brain of three groups. Women, men that were presumed to be heterosexual, and homosexual men. This was all done in post-mortem tissue. In other words, they had already died. LaVey reported that nuclei in this region of the brain, quote, were more than twice as large in the heterosexual men as in the women. It was also, however, more than twice as large in the heterosexual men as in the homosexual men, unquote. Well, this difference was interpreted as a strong evidence of a biological link to homosexuality, but there were problems with that study. First of all, the study has never been replicated. In 1994, which is three years after that study, in Scientific American, William Bine wrote an article entitled, The Biological Evidence Challenged. He said of LaVey's work, quote, has not been replicated and human neuroanatomical studies of this kind have a very poor track record for reproducibility. Indeed, procedures similar to those LaVey used to identify, uh, excuse me, to identify nuclei have previously led researchers astray, unquote. Also, all 19 homosexual subjects in the study died of complications of AIDS. AIDS has been shown to decrease testosterone levels, so it would be expected that those who suffered from that condition would have smaller nuclei in the region of the brain studied. LaVey himself has admitted, and I quote, it is, It's important to stress what I didn't find. I did not prove that homosexuality is genetic or find a genetic cause for being gay. I didn't show that gay men are born that way, the most common mistake people make in interpreting my work. Nor did I locate a gay center in the brain." Unquote. This is quoted in the Salt Lake Tribune, May 27, 2001 in an article entitled Homosexuality, the innate immutability argument finds no basis in science. So we see right there that LaVey himself has stated he didn't find anything. No homosexual gene. And LaVey himself being a homosexual admitted this, and I quote, People who think that gays and lesbians are born that way are more likely to support gay rights." Unquote. In 1991, Michael Bailey and Richard Pillard, researchers at Northwestern University and Boston University School of Medicine, carried out an experiment examining 56 pairs of identical twins. 54 pairs of fraternal twins, 142 non-twin brothers of twins, 
and 57 pairs of adoptive brothers. They were looking to see if homosexuality has passed on through fraternal lines or if environmental factors were the cause. They reported the following. 52% of men and 48% of women of identical twin homosexuals were homosexual. 22% of men and 16% of women of fraternal twins were likewise homosexual. 11% of men and 6% of women of adoptive brothers of homosexuals were homosexual, and 9.2% of non-twin brothers were homosexual. They were quoted in 1992 in the work Science News as saying this, and I quote, Our origin shows that male sexual orientation is subsequently genetic, unquote. Well, if there was in fact a gay gene, which is what they're promoting from their study, then all of the identical twins should have reported a homosexual orientation. Bailey and Pillar did not study a random sample of homosexuals. Instead, the subjects were recruited through advertisements placed in homosexual publications. So what results do you think they expected to get from that? Dan Hamer, he studied the gay gene on the X chromosome. A couple of years after LaVey's report, Dean H. Dan H. Hammer of the National Cancer Institute allegedly linked male homosexuality to a gene on the X chromosome. They investigated 144 families of homosexual men. In many families, homosexual men had homosexual relatives through maternal lines. Thus, the team of researchers determined that a gene of homosexuality might be found on the X gene there. So, we find there that they're thinking that maybe the chromosome was passed on from the mother instead of the father of the paternal. Hamer and his colleagues speculated, quote, the linkage markers on XQ28, the subtelomeric uh, sub region of long arm of the sex chromosome had a multi-point Lodge score of 4.0 indicating a statistical confidence level of more than 99% that at least one subtype of male sexual orientation is genetically influenced." Unquote. Well, there were problems with their research. Number one, they did not check to see if any of the heterosexual men in the families had the same marker. Number two, seven pairs of homosexual brothers did not display the same genetic marker. Number three, a Canadian group led by George Rice researched the XQ28 gene and got different results. They stated, quote, nonetheless, our data do not support the presence of a gene of large effect influencing sexual position or sexual orientation at position XQ28, unquote. Another independent lab failed to produce or reproduce anything remotely resembling Hamer's results. So what do we conclude from all these studies? Well, what we can conclude is this. There is not a gay gene. Scientifically, there has not been found a gay gene that exists and causes people to be homosexual. That gene does not exist. So, what does God, through his word, have to say about homosexuality? Because we're going to find out through God's word what the truth is. 
we're not going to have to do a scientific study or anything like that, but God will tell us the truth. Well, we want to first look at homosexuality in the Old Testament. The reason we want to do that is found in Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to read verses 20 to 22. Genesis 18, 20 to 22. It says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now, and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And then we go to chapter 19, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Chapter 19, starting in verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet. And ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said, Where are the men which came in to thee tonight? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes, only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under, my, under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Now, you hear the homosexual community argue that they're in verse 5. Some will say, well, they just wanted to get to know these men. Well, you look at verse 8, they know you know from that that is not the case. They wanted to have sexual intercourse with these men. So it doesn't mean to get acquainted with. But what did God think about homosexuality in Sodom. Well, we have some instances here in Genesis 19, but we're going to look at a couple of New Testament passages as well. Look at Genesis 19, 24 to 25. Verse 24 says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that and that which grew upon the ground. So God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexual practices. Well, let's go over to the New Testament and look at a couple of verses here. Look first of all at 2 Peter chapter 2. Verses 6 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. 
It says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should afterward, after should live ungodly. So they are an exhibit for those that practice the same lifestyle. Verse 7, And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Okay, the word conversation there, the American Standard Version, renders that word lascivious life. Verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Again, we're looking at their homosexual deeds. And verse 7 in the little book of Jude confirms that. Jude verse 7. It says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication. Fornication is a word that includes adultery, premarital sex, and homosexuality and bestiality. So their fornication here from what we read in Genesis 19 is homosexuality. And then it, it explains it and going after strange flesh. In other words, practicing homosexuality. And are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Not just the fire that destroyed, fire and brimstone that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but eternal fire, eternal punishment in hell. So there in the patriarchal period, God required the death penalty for homosexuals in Sodom under that patriarchal law. You come to Judges chapter 19 and we find an example of the same thing here in the Mosaic period. Judges chapter 19, look at verses 10 through 25. There it says, and this is a, a Levite who had gone to get his concubine there from her father's house. But the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two donkeys saddled, his concubine was also with him. And when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent, and the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, let us turn into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. Well, Gibeah was uh, a city in the tribe of Benjamin. And he said unto his servant, Come, let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. Ramah was just a little bit further on. And then they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belonged to Benjamin. And they turned aside thither to go in and lodge in Gibeah, and when he went in, he sat him down in the street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. That's where this uh, Levite was from. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city. And the old man said, Whither goest thou, and whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem, Judah, toward the side of Mount Ephraim, for from thence, or from thence am I. And I went to Bethlehem, Judah, but I am now going to the house of the Lord. And there is no man that receiveth me to his house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our donkeys, and there is bread and wine also for me, and for thy handmaid, and for the young man which is with thy servant, <clears throat> there is not, there is no want of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever, let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. 
So he brought him into his house and gave provender to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. Now, as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, these means worthless, beset the house round about and beat at the door and spake to the master of the old house, the old man, saying, Bring forth the man that came into thine house that we may know him. Again, the same word there to have sexual relationship with. Now, they also will try to say, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by, because of homosexual rape. Well, that's not the reason. It's the practice of homosexuality. Anyway, continuing on, verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out unto them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly. Seeing that this man has come into mine house, do not this folly. But here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them will I bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man do, no, do not so vile a thing. So right there, it was another, I say, go ahead and read verse 25 there. But the men would not hearken to him, so the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning, and when the day began to spring, they let her go. So I guess you would say they were bisexual there, not just homosexual. Well, Benjamin was almost destroyed because they protected these men. You look in chapter 20, verse 35. Chapter 20, verse 35 says, And the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed the Benjamites that day, twenty and five thousand and a hundred men, all that drew the sword. And then you look in verse 47. But six hundred men turned and fled to the wilderness under the rock Rimmon and abode in the rock Rimmon four months. Only six hundred men were left out of the tribe of Benjamin because they tried to protect these evil people. So in Genesis 19 and in Judges 19, in each case, we see the violence that comes from homosexuality, those that practice homosexuality. Well, you know, our, our media, our politicians and all, they try to show the well-behaved homosexuals, but that is not the norm. Homosexuals are portrayed in a favorable light. Homosexuals use anti-discrimination as their theme. And see, this makes Mr. and Mrs. John Q. Public sympathetic with the homosexual community. I have a film, it's actually on an old VHS tape. It's called The Gay Agenda. You watch that tape, it shows the filth and violence that accompanies homosexuality. And David Powell, in the 1999 Freed Hardeman University Lectures, made this quote, and I state, I quote, It was just last June when thousands of homosexuals marched in front of the White House parading their ungodly lifestyle. They were holding hands, kissing, and working that which is unseemly, Romans 1, 24-27. Men were dressed as women, women were dressed as men. It made me sick to my stomach. Defiantly, they declared themselves free and angrily challenged anyone who would dare stand in their way. A militant young man raised his fist and shouted, One day we will run your schools, your churches, and your country. They were encouraged and not silenced by politicians who promised them legislative protection. It was Sodom and Gomorrah in the 20th century. It was ancient Corinth resurrected in all her filth. Then I recalled the words of Jeremiah. Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush." Unquote. See, this was in 1999. 
and that militant young man that said one day we'll run your schools, your churches, and your country, he spoke the truth, because they are right now. In Guide Magazine, and this is back in 1987, in an article entitled Overhauling Straight America, Marshall Kirk and Erastus Pill made these two statements, and I quote, the first order of business is desensitization the American public concerning gays and gay rights, unquote. The second quote, you can forget about trying to persuade the masses that homosexuality is a good thing, but if you can get them to think it's just, <clears throat> just another thing with the shrug of their shoulders, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually won, unquote. And that's what's happened. We see it all around us today. Well, I want to go back and look at what the law of Moses stated about homosexuality. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 18, verses 22 to 30. Because, you know, it doesn't matter what our politicians say. It doesn't matter what the media says. It only matters what God says. And, of course, this is under the law of Moses. This is not in effect today. Leviticus 18, 22 to 30. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things any, you notice. For in all these the nations that are defiled which I cast out before you, and the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out also, when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any of these abominable customs which were committed before you that the land or that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. So the land vomited the inhabitants out that committed those things that we just read. <clears throat> and you think how long will it be before our land vomits us out? We'll look at chapter 20 now, verse 10. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. It says, The man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Our population in our nation would be much less today if that law was still in force. In verse 13, if a man lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And then verse 15. If a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. Again, you know, we gave the definition of fornication earlier. It includes premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality, and bestiality there. So homosexuality, whether it was in the patriarchal period or in the mosaic period, is abomination before God. You know, God created male and female, the woman for the man and the man for the woman. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And then in chapter 2, verse 24, 
It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So it's man for woman, and woman for man. So to join male and male, or female and female, is a violation of God's God-given order, and God required the death penalty for homosexuality under the law of Moses. Well, what about the New Testament? See, we don't live under that Old Testament anymore. We now live under the New Testament. Well, I want to look at Romans 1, to 27, and I want to read that from the King James Version and then also from the New King James Version. So Romans 1, to 27. It says, Professing them why, uh, themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their bodies between or their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile passions, vile affection. In other words, God gave them up. Just do what you want to do. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Again, that's talking about homosexuality, as is verse 27. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, which means indecent, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat which was they deserved, in other words. Now let one look at the uh, same passage here in the New King James Version, Romans 1, to 27. It says, Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one for another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. So whether we read the King James or the New King James there, we see that God says homosexuality is not natural. You think about it, you ever seen a homosexual rabbit? or whatever, in the animal kingdom that does not happen. And if everyone was homosexual, there wouldn't be anyone at all. Well, let's now go, and I want to do the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. I want to read first from the King James Version, and then we will go to the New, uh, New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. King James Version. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want to go to the New King James Version. There. And begin reading there again, uh, chapter 6 now again, and we'll verse, read verses 9 and 10 again. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So right there, it tells us that homosexuality is sin. 
Now, again, those who try to say that, well, I'm God made me this way. I'm homosexual. There's no, I can't change. Well, look at verse 11, and I'll read the New King James first here. He says, and such were some of you. They were. Some of them were fornicators. Some of them were idolaters. Some of them were adulterers. Some of them were homosexuals. Some of them were sodomites. Some of them were thieves. They were covetous. They were drunkards. They were revilers. They were extortioners. But he says, but you were washed. Washed what? Washed in the watery grave of baptism where they contacted the saving blood of Christ. Romans 6, 3 and 4. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So right there, that verse proves that no matter what sin we are committing, we can change. We can change. Some of the Corinthians have been homosexual, but now they repented of that sin and were children of God. They ceased to become homosexuals and became faithful. We see people of the world don't want to hear that. In 1996, there was a letter sent to Ann Landers from a person that called themselves LBR. And this was what he or she wrote, quote, To all those Bible-thumping screwballs who keep quoting Corinthians to prove that we're an abomination, I like to say this. God made us as sure as he made you, and God does not make junk, unquote. Well, what we read earlier in Leviticus 18.22 God did say homosexuality is an abomination. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that we read says that those who practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God, but will face eternal punishment. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 27, Revelation 21, 27 it states this, and there shall in no wise enter into it, that being heaven, anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So no one who practices any abomination will be allowed into heaven. Well, you know, God did make LBR, whoever that is or was, and he made Satan too. Now, he did not make Satan evil, and he did not make LBR homosexual, regardless of what people try to get out of false science. You never hear about the science that has proven there is no difference in the homosexual and heterosexual makeup. Homosexuality comes through environmental factors. Homosexuality is abomination in the sight of God, according to God. God does not make junk. That is true. But we make ourselves useless. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. That verse says, Lo, this only have I found, that God hath made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. You see, God, yeah, he made us upright. It's us that makes ourselves useless. Another letter written to Ann Landers, and this is from somebody that identified themselves as S.T., stated this, quote, We don't want to change, and We want society to change and accept us as we are, unquote. See, that's the deal. They don't want to change. They don't want to hear the truth. I did a lesson once that was posted on the Internet and uh, came back. One quote said, Hate, hate, nothing but hate. Well, you know how that statement was made. It's because it was truth, truth, nothing but truth from the Word of God. 
So some may be tempted to engage in a homosexual act, but that's not any different from someone being tempted to commit any other kind of sin like lying or drinking or cheating or gambling or any of those things. And homosexuality, just like any other sin, is pardonable. We read that in Ephesians, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And homosexuality, just like any other sin, must be controlled. Someone tempted to engage in a homosexual act must handle that temptation in the same way that a person who is tempted to commit an illicit heterosexual act seek the way of escape that God provides and don't fall for the devil's snare. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. God's always going to do that. Well, homosexuality is undermining the home and it's undermining our society. The more homosexuality is presented as normal behavior on TV, movies, and music, the more it threatens our homes. And it is very prominent out there. You know, it started back in 1991 when TV viewers were introduced to the first lesbian kiss on a show called L.A. Law. ABC produced the first openly gay lead in the series Ellen. NBC produced Will and Grace, featuring two homosexual leading characters. Daytime soaps entered the market with All My Children introduced the first ongoing lesbian love affair. You may remember the Village People, they were a homosexual rock band, did a number called Cruisin', which they were looking for a partner. The manager of the band said this, and I quote, I am sincerely trying to promote songs that make gay people more acceptable. It is a protest against Anita Bryant, unquote. Other music entertainers, you know, going back to some that some I've heard of, some I haven't, Elton John, Ricky Martin, Melissa Etheridge proclaimed their homosexual lifestyle. Garth Brooks and other country singers support the homosexual lifestyle in their lyrics, in their speeches, and in their donations. The more homosexuality is accepted in churches as an approved lifestyle, the more it threatens our homes. It was back in 1993 in the 1993 October issue of The Spiritual Sword, Hugo McCord wrote this, quote, a homosexual group in Houston, Texas, calls itself the Acapella Chorus because most congregations, this is what they say, because most congregations in our fellowship have no instrumental music. Hugo McCord continued to say they have published a tract challenging the scriptures traditionally thought to be anti-gay and setting forth new hermeneutic that homosexuality is wrong only when connected with idolatry. So the acapella chorus is righteous. Their bulletin is mailed to 27 states, to South Africa and Micronesia. They claim gay and lesbian members of the Church of Christ in Nashville, Los Angeles, and Seattle. Well, the more homosexuality is endorsed through government legislation, the more it threatens the home. Again, it was back in 2000 when Vermont became the first state to recognize homosexual unions, and now it is throughout the United States. It's presented to our children as being just another lifestyle, another kind of love. It's threatening the home. Currently, the homosexual community receives more support from the 18 to 24-year-old age group than any other group because high schools, colleges, pop culture, they're all whispering in the ears of our young people that homosexuality is normal and acceptable. Homosexual activists try to paint the picture of stability in the homosexual relationship quite similar to those in heterosexual ones, and being or acting homosexual is considered cool. 
Well, if the homosexual were to be honest, they'd have to admit that most homosexuals don't remain faithful to one partner or even several. Thomas E. Schmidt, in his book, Straight and Narrow, Candor and Compassion in the Homosexual Debate, presented these statistics. 74% of male homosexuals reported having more than 100 partners. 41% reported having more than 500 partners. 28% reported having more than 1,000 partners. You know, after a while, all these invasions of the homosexual agenda in our home are going to have an effect on us. We become desensitized. We're not bothered by it as much as we once were. You know, consider the numbing effect television has had on us. You know, what are we watching today? If homosexual behavior can be legitimized, those who practice it will and have gained societal acceptance which is going to lead to a growth in number. But remember, homosexuals do not reproduce. They recruit. They're recruiting you. They're recruiting your children. They're recruiting your grandchildren through the media, through the government, through the schools, and through religion. So how do we treat the homosexual? Well, we cannot tolerate or condone the practice of homosexuality. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. But we cannot cast off the homosexual as unworthy of God's grace or of the redeeming blood of Christ. We should love those who are practicing homosexual homosexuality just as we would love anyone guilty of any sin. If a homosexual repents and gives up the practice of homosexuality, complies with God's law for pardon, we must forgive that person and accept them just as God does. So in conclusion, science has not found any link between homosexuality and a genetic makeup. Homosexuality has always been against God's laws and it still is. It has always been sin, and it will always be sin. We must be on guard against homosexuality and openly oppose it, even if it becomes illegal to do so, and it is doing that. The advancement of homosexuality is undermining the church, our homes, and our nations. As one man stated, Sexual sin will undoubtedly go down in history as one of the major contributors to the moral and spiritual deterioration and decline of American society. One wonders how much longer such widespread unchastity can go on in our land before God will visit the iniquity thereof upon it and the land itself vomits out her inhabitants. Leviticus 18.25 Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to the program today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram, and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.